Hello and welcome to episode 142 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Feliz, Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox, and with me in Vienna, Virginia, is Ben Olson. Ben, what's happening? Dude, so much. Yeah, we got a lot of exciting things to talk about on the show today. Um, I can't wait to hear updates from you. Uh, I moved. We're going to talk about the LSAT timer that we so generously bestowed on our audience. <laughs> We're going to talk we're so, about. We're so generous. <laughs> we're going to talk about our new uh, personal statement review service that we're mm-hmm. going to do uh, as an experiment. Yep. We are going to talk about our weekend class coming up in New York City, July 13 through 15. Save the date. Uh, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other stuff, listener mail, like normal. Um. Let's see here. Before we get into all that, we have 483 members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. This week they were talking about swearing and how I swear too much on the show and people were insulting me saying that I'm too intelligent to swear. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I have not been on Facebook forever. I don't I go on Facebook. The, the only time I ever go on Facebook now is to just look at the Thinking Else Have podcast group just to check out to see what people well, now are I have talking to, about. I have to chime in on that, so that'll be good. On the swearing. Shit, yeah. that's good. I got to talk about that. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, we have 17 patrons on Patreon. They are now donating a total of $83 every month. I think that might be one more patron and one more dollar per month. So wait, wait. Uh, I thought that's a lot more patrons and only oh, wait. one more dollar. Sorry, it's not $83 a month. That's $98 a month. Yeah, so Ooh, it's, 98. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're creeping up on $100 a month, which is... We're almost uh, to 10%. Yes. No, wait. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, very close to 10% of our monthly expenses are now being paid for uh, by our patrons. So thank you very much, patrons. Uh, go to patreon.com and uh, find Thinking LSAT, and you can give us a dollar a month. We would appreciate it. You can email the show, help at thinkinglsat.com. You can go to our websites, strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com, to learn about all of our services, including live classes in D.C., Los Angeles, San Francisco, and all sorts of online and one-on-one options. Um, well, where should we start? What's new with you? I know you're eating pizza. Yeah, good. I was eating pizza. So, <clears throat> um, just last night, I had to uh, interrupt a tutoring session that Laura, who works for me, was conducting, uh-huh. and uh, I hadn't met the person that she's working with yet. But she said, "Oh, it's Ben," which isn't surprising because um, everyone who's doing tutoring is watching videos and stuff online. And I was like, "Hey, how's it going? It's nice to meet you." And she says, "We've met before." And I was like, "Oh." Um, I, I guess like through the class or like you've met me by watching the class online or something like that. She's like, no, no, um, somewhere else. And I was like, Oh, okay. She said, uh, you go to, we go to the same CrossFit gym. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. And she's like, that's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, but then it made me think, I was like, dang, I, I hope I was always nice at CrossFit, <laughs> you know, like, taking this class or doing this thing and someone's in my class and they know who I am. It's kind of, it's a little unnerving, but she's very nice. And, um, I I had, so I had that interaction, right. And then just, um, just before that I was, uh, driving to take my kids to school and I'm just driving on these little streets that are 25 miles an hour or whatever. And this guy comes up behind me. And when I get to this stop sign, he drives, he goes, he drives right, ar- he goes around me. And I was like, okay, I, I guess I'm too slow for you. 
which is pretty crazy because I'm probably the one who's driving too fast um, on our little streets. But in any case, um, usually these things don't bug me, but for some reason I was just like, that's just too absurd. So I, I honked at him and then I was driving behind him and he ended up going to the same <laughs> school. Oh, so no. I pulled in and behind him. I was like, yeah, you know, Hey buddy. I thought you were going to say someone recognized your LSAT license plate and was saying hi to you on the street. Yeah. And said you were so, road yeah. raging on somebody who <laughs> <laughs> one of your, one of your boys, friends, parents. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, that's who, you know, it turned out to be someone we, we know. So it's kind of funny. I was like, well, there you go. You got to watch out what you do. You never know who you're uh, <laughs> interacting with. Wow. How about wow. you? What's up? Amazing. Um, well, I was in Santa Barbara playing awful golf over the weekend. Uh, I am just terrible at golf and, uh, I hate it. And, um, but I saw my friends and stuff, so that was fun. And then I got back on Monday and I immediately started throwing away like half of my belongings because the next day, Tuesday, I had a crew of movers show up and packed up all my shit and moved in one day, moved across town. And so now I am in my new uh, apartment in Los Feliz, which is uh, very close to Griffith Park, a neighborhood that I really love. And um, yeah, I'm just uh, chilling over here on the other side of town. Yeah, so what, what was the story exactly? A lot of your neighbors were complaining or something and you had to leave? <laughs> yeah, I got, I did. Yeah, I got kicked out of the building um, for too much yelling uh, as I was recording the podcast. Too much swearing. <laughs> yeah, too much yelling F-bombs. Uh, oddly LSAT-related F-bombs. No, um, I moved because... This I was on the extreme west side, Marina del Rey, over there by the airport, and mm -hmm. it's a little colder over there, which I don't like. I, I want it a little warmer, and um, also it's just too far from my friends. I have a really good friend who lives here in Los Feliz, and I have friends in Studio City, and it's also this neighborhood. Um, it's where I lived when I first moved to L.A., and I just love it so much. It's a really great walking neighborhood. Um, they're two of my favorite movie theaters in the world that I can walk to. All my favorite restaurants, bars, cafes, um, plus the Griffith Observatory, which is just looming over the neighborhood. Like Every time I go outside, I can see the observatory, and it's just like beckoning me to go hike up there. So, um, hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to be back. So you, you said a lot of, of things. You said a lot of things, but all I got away from that was that uh, you can't handle the cold. That is a hundred percent true. I am um, creeping toward death uh, at forty-two years old, and my body is starting to break down. And uh, it apparently does not generate its own heat anymore. So I, yeah, I have to be somewhere warmer. <laughs> the West Side <laughs> Beach of Los Angeles is not warm enough. I had to go inland. <laughs> I had to escape You're the in California, Ocean. but yeah, it's not. Good. I am in California, but yeah, no, I'm. I am. Uh, I'm amazingly spoiled. I the optimal temperature, Ben, is seventy two, and um, that's what temperature it is here always. So cool. All right. Yeah, it is room temperature outside. So yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, let's see here. We, we we're going to talk about the timer, I guess. Sure. We got all kinds of business to talk about. Um, we created an LSAT timer 
as a gift to our audience. Uh, we just threw it out there into the podcast feed. I believe it's also linked on the homepage, maybe not, of thinkingelset.com. If not, it probably could be. But uh, you can find that in the feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on YouTube as well. So uh, there's a 35-minute timer. And we think we might work on other better versions of the timer. But hey, how much can we give, Ben? I don't know. I don't know. Enough is enough. Yeah. So uh, check out that timer. I did get a pretty funny email from Shay. Um, Shay says, so funny story. I figured out the reason why I only finished three games and had six questions left in the LR section last week. She was working on uh, prep test 83, by the way. Yep. Um, she had the timer on in her podcast app and she was listening to it on 1.5 X because that's the speed she usually listens to the podcast. on. <laughs> I guess we need that disclaimer in there. This will not work if you <laughs> speed up your podcast. So she's been doing really well. Shay's been scoring like in the 170s. And she um, she was pissed. She was like devastated because she only scored 166 or 168 or something <laughs> like that. But she had only been giving herself 23 minutes per section because she was listening to it at 1.5x. So uh, yeah, anyway, if you're going to use the timer, um, make sure you go ahead and uh, put it on normal speed. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. You have five minutes left in this section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Comedy. Um, let's see. Let's, we, we can save the personal. St- let's talk about the class. All right. Sounds good. Uh, what are the dates again? July th- 14, 15 are the two days of instruction. Yep. So we're going to show up on the evening of the 13th, and then we will do some LSAT instruction on Saturday the 14th and Sunday the 15th. Yeah, it's uh, the class is going to be three hundred ninety-five dollars. That includes all materials. Ben and I will host a uh, optional social hour on Friday night. If anybody's coming into the to the city early, we will uh, buy you a cocktail, maybe some nibbles on Friday night, so we can all get to know each other. And then we'll do two days of uh, instruction: Saturday, Sunday, um, ten to five each day. All materials included. Uh, we're not sure exactly what we'll give you, but some uh, tests for sure, some books, and we'll announce some optional uh, or some uh, extra goodies to be determined, extra stuff you will get if you sign up for our class in New York City. So again, that's July uh, 14, 15 with a social hour on the 13th. Yeah, and, and uh, to sign up, people can just go to thinkinglsat.com. Yeah, thinkinglsat.com to uh, get yourself registered the space will be somewhat limited. We're not going to do a class of 60 people, I don't think. Are we, Ben? Um, so no. please go ahead and re- uh, reserve your seat as soon as you know for sure that you would like to join us. That, by the way, is, um, what is that, one week before the July LSAT? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, hopefully that's not your entire preparation for, <laughs> for the July LSAT. Um, it'll be a very good uh finishing touches for your July prep. So, or get you ready for September either way. Yeah. Yeah. Or a start for September. Um, but please, if your intention is to make that a standalone class for, uh, the July LSAT, we're probably going to try to discourage you from doing it that way. Yeah. Hey, so we're putting, um, we're, we're putting, we're going to talk about this personal statement thing next, but yeah, we're putting this class up on the website. We're putting the uh, personal statement stuff up on the website. What what forward slash should we get people? Services is so boring. Thinkingelsat.com forward slash services. That's just lame. Forward slash for what? For all for, the stuff? 
Yeah, for all the stuff, so they can just go right there. Um, well, shouldn't it be a different thing for the class and for the... Yeah, we could. We could do a different thing. Thinkingoutside.com slash NYC. NYC, but then we only can go to NYC. Well, are we going other places? No. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> we could make a new forward slash if we decide to do one in Omaha, right? Omaha, yeah. The Great Oracle. Um, okay. Yeah. So anyways, we'll figure or that out. Or we could out. call it classes. I don't know. Yeah. You want to decide way, right now? No, I don't, I don't think we can decide. It's too big of a decision. That is a huge decision. We'll figure something out. But if you go to thinkinglset.com, you're going to be able to find it. It'll be somewhere prominently uh, featured on the website. And mm-hmm. um, you can register. By the way, we do not yet have a specific venue for uh, the class in New York. Uh, we don't even have a borough really picked out. So if you have suggestions about where to host the class, like, for example, if you have... Um, an inn at a hotel or a class, a school or something like that, where you think uh, you could give us a good conference space at a reasonable rate. Um, please just hit us up, help at thinkingelsehead.com. Yep. And uh, we'll get the venue sorted out. Cool. Want to talk about this personal statement stuff? Yeah. Um, so we've been reading a lot of personal statements on the show, as you know, and we love doing it. Um, we've read several for our students on occasion as well throughout time. And we just decided that we should combine forces and offer you a kick-ass, although I shouldn't say that, I guess, but a kick-ass personal statement review package for anyone who's serious. Um, It's $9.95, but the basic gist is that Nathan will make sure you have the right message and I'll make sure that it's polished and so law schools will want you. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at personal statement after personal statement and they just totally blow and, um, we can make them a lot better. So yeah, we'll make sure that your personal statement is, um, explaining who you are and pitching you to law schools in a titillating type of a way and, mm-hmm. uh, explaining why law school is a good fit for you. Yep. And then we will also make it a professional document that makes you sound like a lawyer. That's 9.95. You can sign up for that service again at thinkingelset.com and we don't have a forward slash for that either. But thinkingelset.com. We'll figure yep. it out. Yep. Awesome. Um <laughs> What is this? So we have an update from Eve, huh? Mhm. Just thanking us for the feedback. Yeah. Just the feedback on his personal statement. Cool. Did you read it? I haven't read. I haven't looked at it. Uh, the re- the revision. Yeah. No. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Actually, I did, and um, it was a lot better, but it still needed some work. Um, and I made some suggestions and sent them back to him. But he said uh, your feedback was terrific. Thank you. I spent a few hours over the last week contemplating your feedback and writing a new draft, which you did. And it jumped right into his, uh, I don't know if you remember, but his started more, I think, in like high school or something. And he jumped, in, oh, jumped right, into college right. right away, which was a lot better. Um, the draft link is below if either of you are interested enough to read it. Um, you have provided more quality feedback than I could have asked for. Expect a donation soon. Well, nine ninety five is fine. Thank you. Um, we'll take <laughs> <laughs> You can sign up for the service in arrears. And... Uh, we will look at it one more time and 
brush up the copy for you. Yeah, How yeah, about that? Yeah. Um, this email here is the one that really precipitated us announcing this new service. Oh yeah, that's right. Because this was just shocking. I forgot about this. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to go through this. This is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You want to read this uh, email from Tina? Yeah. yeah. So, Hey guys, just wanted to send an update on my cycle and where I ended up. So Tino had written in before, right? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. George Mason admitted with a living stipend of 15,000 per year. Wow. Nice. That's a sweet stipend. That is a sweet stipend. Uh, Fordham. Waitlisted, Cardozo admitted with a $40,000 a year scholarship. Uh, okay. We don't know what that means, though. It sounds like a full ride, but maybe not. George Washington, waitlisted, Temple wait, admitted, St. John's admitted, 25000 a year scholarship. So just PSA here, guys. Whenever you send in your information, tell us how much you have to pay, not how much money you got in terms of scholarship. Yeah, and don't, you, don't say scholarship. Say discount. Discount, yeah. There you go. Well, the, yeah, yeah, discounted price is whatever. And hopefully that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. So uh, Tino continues. There are others, but these schools really tell the story of my cycle. I chose to accept admission up George Mason. I don't to George Mason. Yeah. I mean, to, to George. up yours, George Mason. I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for like up there. to okay, up to yeah. George Mason. As that living expense will go a long way, as my GI Bill covers all of my school costs. Yeah, that's awesome. I really think that overcoming my 2.2 LSAC calculated GPA can be attributed to my pretty solid LSAT of 166 and a good presentation of my experience in my personal statement, which I have attached. This was reviewed by a consultant, and if you feel like it, will benefit others as hopefully an example of what a, a personal statement should resemble. Feel free to read it on the show. Additionally, I remember you guys mentioning that you were loosely familiar with the GI Bill benefit, and if you want, I'm happy to answer any questions that others writing into the show or in your classes may have. Okay, thanks. I do have a question for you guys. With the news surrounding the Koch brothers and other donors to GMU, money in exchange for undue influence in faculty decisions, is there a chance that this will negatively affect graduates? I don't think it will matter at all. No, that doesn't seem like anything to me. That's just noise. Everybody knows lawyers and law schools are corrupt. So what's shocking about that? Yeah. What they care about is your GPA. Yeah. Okay. So here's the shocker. And I actually, maybe you should explain this because I wasn't so much sure. in that email chain. And, but from what I remember, you triple checked everything that yep. was said. Yep. I, I will read it before we get there. I want to just say one thing about this GI bill deal. Hmm. Um, so when he says he was admitted to George Mason, with a living stipend of 15,000 a year. Yeah. That's no scholarship. That's only a living stipend. Oh, so he basically negotiated himself a deal because he has the GI bill mm. to pay for all the tuition. Mm-hmm. Got it. And so the school now is like, Hey, Oh, okay. Well, we won't give you any scholarship at all mm-hmm. because the GI bill will cover your tuition. Yeah. But instead we'll give you a $15,000 living stipend. <sighs> the PSA there is, Hey, if you guys have the GI bill, make sure you negotiate with the schools and explain to them that you have the GI bill Mm -hmm. and that you're happy to pay full tuition, but that you want, um, a living stipend. Yeah. Or like if they offer you a scholarship or a tuition discount, maybe go back to them and say, Hey, you know, rather than a tuition discount, could I get a living stipend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> you're going to want to make sure that all this is on the up and up and that this, this, this plan is actually going to work. I'm sure the schools know whether it'll work or not, whether they can actually cut you a check or not. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also, of course, insanely bad public policy. <laughs> if you think about now what's happening, if you think about the perverse incentives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so now the GI Bill, which, I mean, hey, this is great for Tino, and it's great for anybody who has the GI Bill. Fuck it. You got shot at for five years or whatever it was. Uh, that's fine. I don't care. Get get paid. Good. Get paid. Um, but yeah, we're Uncle Sam now is like just <laughs> this weird convoluted system now where Uncle Sam is going to just be dumping, you know, $150,000 on George Mason and George Mason's going to turn around and give a portion of it, kick it back to Tino. Mm. Um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Crazy world we're living in. Um, anyway, I read this email and I go, Oh, sweet. Tino had a professionally reviewed, um, personal statement. Yeah. Um, and I, said, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I don't know if we're going to read it on the show. Let me take a look at it. Mm -hmm. And I took a look at it and I had to email Tino back three times to make sure that this is actually the personal statement that came from the consultant. Yeah. Because it is garbage. I just can't believe how bad it is. Um, and I, I shall read it to you. And we should clarify here, too, that this is somewhat of a well-known consultant, right? This is somewhat of a well-known consultant who is not Anne Levine. Yeah. Um, this is uh, a different, I, I guess, nationally known consultancy. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely national. And, yeah. Yeah. And um, Tino, you know, it all worked out well for Tino. But Tino sent this personal statement to every single school he applied to. And the consultant, now this is all according to Tino's testimony. So, you know, that's a third person here, Mm -hmm. but this is Tino triple checked it. And he said, yeah, yeah. And this is, they gave me the stamp of approval. This was the personal statement that was going to go out. Whoever the representative was at this national law school consultancy gave Tino the green light to send out a personal statement that sounds like this. Oh, and I should add one more thing. You want to say how much he paid? Cause the, oh, yeah! I forgot how much was it. I thought it was thirty six hundred, but it was it was at least yes. three thousand. I know that. I think it was thirty six hundred dollars that Tino's parents generously paid to help Tino with his uh, his law school personal statement. And this is what thirty six hundred dollars gets you. Now, I think the theme is probably great. You know, I think the message here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't really read the whole thing because it's like makes me want to vomit. So I haven't actually read the whole thing, but um, just the editing makes me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. But you, surely, people reading this are like, "Oh my god, this guy is such a bad writer." Yeah, and and he paid thirty six hundred dollars for this uh, this essay that makes him look like a shitty writer. And anyway, well, that, and that's what yeah. got us thinking about the personal statement package because we're like, thirty six hundred dollars gets you this. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not going to rip you off to the tune of $3600. We're not going to rip you off at all. You're going to end up with a professional document for your 995. Yeah. Anyway, um this is not a professional document. Here's what it sounds like. October 4, 2016 in Achin District, Nangarhar Province, Afghanistan, 
an explosion went off. <laughs> Dude. Do you know what that reminds me of? Do, do you remember um, all the bass are belong to us? Yes. Yes, I do remember all the bass are belong to us. Dear listeners, if you do not know that, just Google that. But yeah. that is exactly what this sounds like. This has unnecessary detail. It has poor punctuation. I really think there should be a comma after that Afghanistan, and there's not. Yeah, there should but be. But there's, th- mm-hmm. there's three other commas earlier. <laughs> it's just giving an exact date for no reason. It's giving an exact location really for no reason. And the worst, the most egregious part, an explosion <laughs> went off, dude. An explosion went off. Wait, do you mean a bomb exploded? <laughs> but <laughs> no, dude, it was an explosion that went off. But it's fucking terrible writing. That's garbage writing. And I can't believe that that's the lead on a $3,600 personal statement. Yeah, like if you're going to mess everything up, don't mess up the first sentence and the last sentence for crying out Right. Loud. They might only read the first paragraph. I mean, it's totally possible that they're just going to be like skimming it and they're going to see, you know, or, or they, okay, they look at the whole thing, but they're, they could definitely be speed reading, you know, the end of your personal statement. But when they see this first sentence, they're going to be stumbling over the bad punctuation. They're going to be stumbling over the unnecessary details, trying to figure out what the fuck you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to see an explosion went off (laughs) and they're just going to be like, wow, that is some, (laughs) it has, there's a bomb in the sentence and it's still boring. It's still, it's like, let's write this as boringly as we possibly can. You know, like I don't want it to be active at all. I want the verb to be went. This this is, this is, this is the the kind of sentence that the defense attorney would write in defending someone who set the bomb, right? Oh, it was just an explosion <laughs> that went off. Right. It's like, no, dude, you're in court right. for a very serious problem. And we're going to try to mitigate that as much as possible. Yes. Okay. So it's passive voice. Mm-hmm. You have a choice of, you could put exploded, could at least be the verb. Oh. And instead, and it's, instead it's an ex- <laughs> And went, yeah, went off, went off. It went off. The bomb, it's not even a bomb that went off either. It's an explosion that went off, which I don't think explosions go off. I think bombs go off. Yeah, that's true. Bombs explode would be an even better way to say that. But um, holy shit. Okay, it goes on. This explosion took the life of my friend and fellow Green Beret. Um, I'm going to not read the name. <sighs> okay, that sentence is Okay. Uh, you know, I like that you're mentioning that you're a Green Beret. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I've learned something about you. Yep. That's good. Yep. And this is a obviously a momentous experience, right? This is, I mean, in a bad way. So, so this is yeah. telling us about you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's drama. That's okay. I, you know, I'm and we're learning about you. Okay, that's good. Still, it's an explosion that took the life of your. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it could be better. A lot better. Um. Okay, we have two periods between the sentences, which is incorrect. The blast was the first domino in a long chain of events that has forged my desire to become a lawyer. (laughs) What? 
That's a horrible analogy. <laughs> what? Wait, it's three metaphors in one. It's a domino. Domino. Long chain. In a chain of events. <laughs> no, wait, is it, are they dominoes or is it a chain? Yeah. Well, it's a domino in a chain of events. And that chain of events has forged my desire to become a lawyer. What? Forging? Yeah. Wait, dominoes are forging? Or is it a chain that is forging something? Dominoes in a chain are forging something. Oh, my goodness. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) What? $3,600. In the immediate moments following the explosion, I discovered personal characteristics. I joined the army to find out about myself. Yikes. Okay, I think we could leave it there. Uh, let's not. Let's not. Let's not go through the whole thing. No. Come on. It'll take us five hours to, to, to shit on this adequately. Yeah. Uh, it, it is garbage. Tino, you got ripped off for $3,600. I feel really bad. I mean, hey, I'm glad your admission cycle worked out. I would kind of be curious to see what would have happened with your admission cycle if you wouldn't have submitted an absolutely garbage personal statement. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, if you're going to go to George Mason and the GI Bill is going to pay for it and you're going to get a living stipend of $15,000 a year, okay, you're happy with it. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know. But you have 166 LSAT. I mean, you could have got a full ride to many, many schools. I know you have shitty grades, but still, you're a Green Beret. And that means something. And 166 LSAT means something. And I think you, for your $3,600, I think you hurt your admission cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean... This actually just sounds like something that a typical applicant would write as a, their like first draft. Yeah. Yeah, like they're trying to get ideas on paper and it's kind of fumbling out there and there's things in there, but we got to pick them out and make them clear and plain. <sighs> yeah. It, kids these days are terrible writers. Apparently, whoever the um, this admission consultancy, which we will not name, they need to be a little more careful with who they're hiring. Because they they hired somebody who who is a bad writer, a bad editor. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're an okay storyteller. It, it, there's a lot of facts in here, which is great. As I'm skimming it, I'm seeing you know, I'm seeing lots of lots of facts, and the the story of it, the message of it seems seems fine. But copy editing is not that hard. Oh no. Here, here's the one piece of advice that I almost always give people when they write their personal statement. It's my gut reaction after I read it. And it's the same reaction I think that we have a lot of times is that people are trying too hard to make it sound awesome and then it sounds horrible and stilted. Uh, and so I say, look, just imagine that, just stop for a second and tell this story that you're telling here, but tell it in an email to a supervisor or something like that. How would you write to them you would have a nice clean email, but you would use your own voice and you wouldn't say some of these things that you're saying. You would just tell the story or whatever it is that you're trying to say, you know? Yeah. Conversational tone is, is preferred. Make it easy on your reader. 
They're, they're trying to get to know you. It's supposed to be personal. Mm-hmm. It, it should, it should sound like you are talking to y- your friend. Yep. Um, I'm noticing other just garbage. There's, there's a comma down here that's outside of the quotation marks. There's terrible word choice. There's just so much vague, just bad language. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um, go to thinkingallset.com, pay us $995, and your personal statement will be vastly better than this one. That's it. Should we move on? Done. Okay. Gentlemen, for the sake of conspicuousness, call me devil. Okay. First, let me thank you for the podcast. Though I've only started listening a week or so ago, I'm entirely caught up. Whoa. Is that possible? (laughs) Whoa, wait a second. We need to do some math on that. There's 141 episodes. That's 20 episodes a day. And they're each like an hour or more long. So at 1.5x, you'd be listening for like 16 hours a day. Huh? Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Maybe you are the devil. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay. Hmm. I'm entirely caught up. Okay. I'm an AP analyst, AKA data entry clerk with a bachelor's and the mundanity, mundanity of my job mandates copious podcast consumption. All right. I can see there's going to be a lot of, Words in here. At risk of... (laughs) A lot of words. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're really talking about. Y'all need to use less words when you write. Stop with the words. Jesus. Mundanity. Really? Mundanity. Is it mundanity or mundanity? Mundanity. If your reader doesn't know how to pronounce it, use a different word. You don't just put your thesaurus up your ass. You do not need a thesaurus ever. Don't use a thesaurus, please. He is an AP analyst, so he's getting a lot of words at work, I guess. All right. He says, at risk of blowing smoke up your asses, I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing. Seriously. Period. It's not only top-rate edutainment, but also brutally honest, insightful, and downright philanthropic. Philanthropic. Dude, I can't. <laughs> Philanthropic. Philanthropic. I think you want to say yeah, on that. I'm horrible. Yeah. I have no doubt that I couldn't find nearly as great a resource for the price. Well, that's true. It is free. It's hard to beat that. On my budget, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't find many other resources at all. Well, thank you, devil. I know that Ben has said everyone thinks that they have a unique story. Ben's proposition aside, I'm fairly confident that my story is rather <laughs> unique. <laughs> oh, okay. Ain't no rather unique. Yep. <laughs> you're either unique or you're not unique. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you're not unique. <laughs> but there is no rather unique. <laughs> Particularly unique. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Because it's exceptionally long and convoluted, I'll spare you the details. Thank you, devil. In short, my first gen- my first senior year was the culmination of a series of mistakes and heartaches. Oh dear God! <laughs> Sorry, I withdrew the first week of what would have been my last semester after seeing my GPA fall from grace faster than the Trump cabinet. 
<sighs> okay. I believe that my story provides reasonable justification for my meager 3.36, despite having implausible deniability for the circumstances that led up to my dropping out. Implausible deniability? You're supposed to have words. <laughs> Stop with the words. <laughs> what are you talking about? However, it's a long and complex story. You already said that. Involving an FBI investigation, corrupt Afghan officials, a handful of steamy summer nights, and quite a few particularly morbid but necessary burn you out details. A bum you out details. Bum you out. Okay. So here's the first question. Should I include such a story in my personal statement? We have no idea. <laughs> we have if I had any idea what you were talking about, I would maybe be able to give an opinion. But This is very Trump-esque, actually. It alludes to a lot of big stuff, but doesn't actually talk about it. Yeah. If details are needed, I'd be happy to oblige. If nothing else, it would be a writing exercise. As And as I'm sure you can tell, I need the practice. Comma, comma, comma? That's a joke. Joke. It's a joke. Yeah. Second question. Does poverty count as diversity as far as a diversity st- statement is concerned? Um, it, it can, because it depends on what you have to say. I have quite a few more LSAT-centered inquiries, but it's hard to tell if I've already written a wall of text from my phone. Thanks again, devil. Oh, here's some more details. P.S. Cold diagnostic of 163. Better than what I ought to need from my target school for admission anyway, but I have to get a 170 minimum because a friend of mine made a 169 and she's just way too smug about it. Oh, and because I'm not going to pay for law school. Well, that's good. Um, I don't know what to say to any of this. <laughs> I don't either. I 163 is an awesome cold diagnostic and you should be able to make it into the 170s. And... Um, stick that in your friend's face. So that's good. And with a 170 something LSAT score, you should be able to get a full ride to law school. Uh, I don't want to read your long and complex story. Um, I mean, I suppose you could pay us <laughs> and we could help you out with it. But um, if you're saying you think it sounds like bullshit, then it probably does. So I don't know. You you don't want to make it sound like bullshit. Yeah. When you're throwing in the handful of steamy summer nights, that's like you're trying to make it sound like bullshit. Um, FBI investigation and corrupt Afghan officials. I mean, that makes me start to think that you have character and fitness issues where you might need to explain all this to your state bar association before you even go any further down this road. You know, if you were the subject of an FBI investigation, that might be something that's going to be, you're going to have to disclose it Mm -hmm. when you apply. So you might, you might want to, you might want to tell this to somebody before you start paying money for LSAT and applications and certainly, well, you're not going to pay for law school. So that's good. Hmm. Um, this, this all does sound more like an addendum, a GPA addendum, you know, explaining your, your, your poor grades. Yeah. I I don't, is this who you are? 
I mean, is this what is this? Are do you are, are you trying to sell yourself by talking about how you had to drop out of school? No. So it's not your personal statement. Yeah. Why you and why law school? What what are you bringing to the table that's good? Focus on positives. What are you gonna offer? They're already going to be interested in you. You're going to show them a 170 something LSAT score. 3.36 is pretty easy to overlook when you have a 170 something LSAT. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> your personal statement needs to needs to sell sell you to the school as a kick-ass lawyer. And you dropping out of college does not make you sound like a kick-ass lawyer in the slightest. Uh, especially for the reason. I withdrew the first week of what would have been my last semester after seeing my GPA fall. It makes it sound like that was the reason. I don't know why he actually withdrew, but anyways. There's a handful of things in here that just sound like lies, especially the fact that he's been listening to the podcast for a week and he's already caught up. So, yeah, I don't know. Devil, thanks for writing in. Um, Good job not paying for law school. Um, Try to make your personal statement make you sound upstanding and honest and not like a liar. Yep. And, you know, like, just if there's a bunch of bum you out morbid details, yeah, you don't need to put that even in your addendum. You You don't want to bum out your reader. That's not a good plan. So... If you have to explain, you probably do have to explain that you dropped out of your senior year of college. You're, you're probably going to have to say something, but keep it very simple. And I, I don't think an FBI investigation and Afghan corruption has anything to, I don't know that you need to go into all that. You were sick. There was a family emergency. <laughs> Your 170 LSAT better represents your promise as a student. Yeah. Keep, keep it simple. Okay. Next. Subject. Counting weeks till June. Um, shit, this is from the beginning of May. Damn. Hi, Ben and Nathan. I'm an avid listener to your podcast during my commute. Thanks for bringing some great insight to the LSAT resource desert that is the Rocky Mountain region. Ooh, maybe we should go to Denver, Ben, for our mm. next road show. It'd be going home for me. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Um, I'm super type A and rely on my calendars like basic bitches rely on Halo Top. So my question is in regards to the weekend before the test and planning ahead. I'm taking the June test and have a giant work event that Friday and Saturday. It's a morning event till 9 p.m. plus an hour drive each way. I can skip some of the event, but I'm just wondering what you would advise for those last couple days leading up to the test day. Would it be wise to attend this event? I already have a hike and massage planned for Sunday, but what about Friday and Saturday? Should I do one last practice test or maybe just an LR section? Wait, you don't have to attend this event? Then I would skip some of it, but I also don't think it's that big of a deal. You have all of Sunday to sleep in and recover. You'll be hike, fine. Massage. You'll, yeah. You'll be fine. And why, why the hike and the massage? I mean, I guess it, <laughs> that's what you, it sounds relaxing to me. It's, it's, I mean, as yeah, long as it's not it's like a, a 15 mile hike, it sounds pretty relaxing. Yeah, I like hike. A little short hike. Massage is good. 
I mean, yeah, whatever. Do you do you? I mean, whatever you got to do to to chill out. That sounds great. Um, I, well, I guess my only hesitation is if this person never does hikes and never does massages and right. they get sore and they're like on on Monday, like, oh wow, oh. my muscles are sore because I didn't know what that was involving. Uh, anyways, I don't know. This is a Rocky Mountain region resident. They they do nothing but hike. That is true. Um, and I don't know about the massage. I my you know what I'm kind of worried about is that this this looks like a student who is making a mountain out of a molehill, oh, like making yeah. making it into such a big dramatic like, oh no, on Sunday I have to do all these special things to get myself ready for the test tomorrow. It's like, dude, the test is a half a day. Show up. It ain't that it. big of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna sit there. You're gonna read some shit. You're gonna figure them out. You're gonna answer all the questions correctly. It's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So relax. Um, as far as this work event, yeah, morning till 9 p.m. plus an hour each way. That sounds shitty. Um, I don't know. I don't think you need to be out till 10 p.m. both of those nights. Maybe you could cut it down a little bit. But the other thing is, no, no, you should not do one last practice test. God, no. Your work should be done. I mean, you're taking the test on Monday. Basically, Saturday morning, you should you, your your LSAT prep is over. Uh, you can you can do some casual light reviewing or something, handful of questions here and there, but I really don't think you should be doing like a full scored practice test. So, to be fair, I have a scheduled test that Saturday before. But I tell people, eh, you know, do it if you want to do it. Don't do it if you don't want to do it. I don't think it's a big deal as long as you don't make a big deal out of it and just yeah, learn from I, it. Uh, okay, yeah, don't make a big deal out of it. I mean, I just, I know it's human nature. Students, especially like they've been doing well. I mean, I was talking to a student yesterday who just scored 177 or something like that on a practice test. Mm-hmm. And this was on May 30th that we were having this conversation. And you just scored a 177. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, you know, if you don't want to, don't score yourself between now and June 11th. Yeah. It's like that's 12 days worth of not scoring yourself or 13 days worth of not scoring yourself. So what? You've already achieved an outrageously great score. So you could just declare victory, you know, and just then do light casual reviewing. So it depends where you are. If students are like studying right up until the last minute, I agree. Saturday, you got two days in between Saturday and Monday. It's fine. I just, some of the people in the room are going to score a little bit lower than they have been scoring Mm -hmm. necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I worry that those people are then going to make a big fucking deal out of it. Yeah because it's kind of human nature and they're going to freak out. And then if they do another test on Sunday, oh. n- now we're in trouble. Yep. And that's also human nature to want to do that. So as long as you're only doing it, just like you're not doing it for diagnostic purposes, you're, you're doing it for just practicing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just another practice test. We're going to maybe, maybe make some mistakes. We're going to then learn from those mistakes. That's the point of it. Yeah. Exactly. And the thing to keep in mind, too, is if your score drops, you should actually pat yourself on the back because that means you're almost certainly going to do better on test day. So you might as well <laughs> look forward to the wonderful yeah. thing that's going to happen. Where, that's the way that works. If you score the best score you've ever scored, I'm happy for you, and that's great. 
Chances are you're going to go. But down. you're never going to do that on the yeah. day. Yeah, shoot yourself. Yeah, it's the worst thing that could happen to you. <laughs> no. Um, okay. Just don't make whatever you're doing. It just this email already just seems like um, she's making too big of a deal out of this last week. This is like a this is like a form of stats debating. It's, That's true. It's like pre-test debating. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Uh, okay. Let me continue on a different note. I have yet to sign up for the July test and I'm wondering if you think it would be wise to do so considering my lack of time and resources to prepare for July, I will be out of town for a seven day chunk in between the two tests and swamped at work in that time. In addition to not really having an extra $180 to throw around. Oh, well it's more than that now because they raised the price. What is it now? One ninety. Yeah. I was thinking that I would make the final decision a few weeks before the June test based on where I am PT score wise, i.e. if I am above or at my goal, I would register for July. But if I am below, I would go ahead and commit to July thoughts. I do have some thoughts about that. Your input is appreciated. Thanks, Andy. P.S. Feel free to use my name. If you read this on the show, no one will find out more about me from your podcast than Russia already has with Facebook. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Um, I have been giving a lot of people the advice that if there's any doubt, they might want to just go ahead and sign up for July. Yeah. And I, I'm this trying sucks, to, I'm trying to, by the way, wait, what, what sucks? Well, so many people are going to just be giving unnecessary money to LSAC mm-hmm. because of the way the schedule is working out right now. Yeah they really need to get the score turnaround short. They got to shorten up the score turnaround and they got to change the little registration deadlines and stuff. Yeah. Make the deadlines closer to the actual test and get the scores to you earlier. So you can decide before you register. Yeah. Because otherwise right now the scores for June aren't expected to come out until after the registration deadline for July. Yeah. And so I've been telling people, anybody who has resources, you know, the people who pay my tutoring rate, especially, they have resources. The money doesn't really mean that much to them. And I'm like, well, you know, you should go ahead and sign up for the July test and just, just give yourself the option to take it. Cause you're not going to get your June score back in time to make that decision. And if your June score isn't exactly what you want it to be, then you're probably going to want to take it again in July. So I, you have no choice, but to just give $190 to the LSAC. Yeah. And one thing you said, you said if if there's any if there's any doubt, sign up for the July test. My thought on that is, I think pretty much everyone should have some doubt because you yeah. don't necessarily know how June is going to turn out. And even if your finances are tight, I hate to say this, but you almost need to sign up for July even more because you need to take advantage of maybe the one or two points, even if that's all you get out of by you know, out of the July test. Like, let's say you get a 160 in June, you get a 162 in July. That that money is going to be so well spent. There's no other better way for you to spend $190 if you're serious about law school, given all the costs that are down the road. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if you're signing up for June and you're not, and it's not some weird situation where you're foolishly applying this cycle, or you've already been accepted somewhere and they just need a higher score. 
if you're applying for next cycle and you're signed up for June, you should also be signed up for July. It's just, there's, there's a, there's no downside, almost no downside except for the cost. Because even if you get the score you want in July, I mean, in June, how is it? It's can only help you to take it again in July and either get the same score or lower, which will have no effect or get a higher score. And now you're even better off. Um, when you're right, you're right. I agree. I, this makes me, it, it like hurts me because <clears throat> it's, there's definitely a rich get richer sort of a thing going on here. And yeah. I know that, I know that many of our listeners are sitting there going, are you fucking kidding me? I can't just throw $190 around like that. I don't have the money to do that. I can't do that. Well, I, um, God, it sucks so bad to say this. I'm a, I really want to be like a good progressive, but if you don't have $190 to throw around like that, I seriously question whether you should be going to law school. I I, I think you, I, I'm just, I'm really worried that you don't have the resources and the wherewithal to succeed in this game. If you can't come up with $190, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, I've, I've been very fortunate in my life, right? I'm, I, I, I understand that I, things have worked out very well for me and $190 isn't anything to me. And it's easy for me to say that I get it, but I'm, if, if you're going to, you know, only sign up for the LSAT one time and you just don't have the money to pay for another test and man, like your odds of getting the best score you can are not great. And so you're just sort of like starting the game behind. Am I making sense, Ben? You're making sense. If you're, if you're looking at the 190 and saying that's going to be a hard thing to pull off, it's unfortunate, but you're also probably the person who needs to spend that 190 the most. So, well, yeah, I mean, and you need to get the LSAC fee waiver. Like we could always put that PSA out there. That's true. Yep. If you have any chance of, of getting the LSAC fee waiver, like if $190 sounds like a lot to you, then you should apply for the LSAC fee waiver. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You might get it. You might not, yep. but you might get it. And if you get it, what do you get? Two free tests plus the credential assembly service for free plus a certain number of those brutally overpriced reports that they send out to the schools. Yep. Yeah, that's good. The LSAC fee, because I mean, it's going to cost you the way we encourage people to apply to law school. It costs you three grand just to apply. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? I mean, the credential well, six assembly if service, you're doing personal statement review with other people. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, totally. But, yeah, at least at least three or about three. Yeah. I would even say maybe more than that because, I mean, well, let's see. Application fees, you just don't have to pay that many application fees these days. You can get out, you can get out from under the application fee. How much is the fee per submitted application? Dude, they just raised it, I think, to $45. $45 per school? I think so, yeah. And this is all done, this is all work done by a computer. Fee. That's ridiculous. It's an electronic report that goes from the... So they charge you for the credential assembly service. And and then they charge you $45 per report. So per school you apply to, even if the school gave you a fee waiver or doesn't have an application fee, 
you still have to pay the $45 report fee to the LSAC. So if you apply to 10 schools, that right there is $450. What are they trying to achieve? They're trying to make money, dude. They're, well, they're, I know, but but why? For who? It's a nonprofit, so I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. Like, who walks home with the money? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I do not know. It's. Uh, I'm glad there's competition from the GRE. Let's put it that way. I, it it totally hurts my own bottom line, but I don't give a shit. I'm just. It's it's not it's not student friendly. It's not applicant friendly. It's. Huh. Well, neither is law school generally, right? Think about th- what the LSAC is made of is the law schools, isn't it? The LSAC it is, is, mm-hmm. is yeah. okay. So it is a commission of, it's a, it's a representative, representative of the law schools. Law school already is a gigantic scam. So now the LSAC is also a gigantic scam. I mean, shocker. They're just getting paid as many ways as they can get paid. Yeah, I guess so. So it is a little strange though, because if schools are making their application uh, applications free, then you would think that that would trickle down to LSAC eventually, and they'd say, it's "Look, the, it's like a form of collusion, though, because it's like, hey, we can't stop ourselves from competing with each other. Like the schools keep competing with each other, mm-hmm. and not not having an application fee is one way that the schools compete with each other." Yeah. But then the LSAC is like, well, hey, hold on a second. We got too many of these schools that aren't charging an application fee at all. Mm-hmm. So instead, we'll just make a mandatory forty-five dollar application fee, and we'll keep the money, <laughs> and we'll keep the money, and we're all you guys, anyways. Hmm. So we'll just, you know, because they like, like I said, that one anonymous um, law school uh, admissions person that I talked to. Yeah. Who told me that they were like the LSAC would like fly them around, like fly them to Hawaii and stuff. So that's, you know, yeah, it's a nonprofit, but it's, it's flying people around to Hawaii to have their big meetings and stuff. And it's, that's your money folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the, uh, this is the game you're, you're getting yourself into. So don't pay for law school, minimize these expenses as much as you possibly can. Unfortunately, the LSAC just has a monopoly right now. Yeah. But by the way, speaking of all these costs, we're talking about $45. We're talking about $190 for the test. Um, Times three or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) A couple hundred bucks for the credential assembly service. If you can see yourself making progress on the test and um, you see yourself going to law school, then this money is all really, really well spent. Because if you think about like what schools you're applying to. If you spend another $90 because you apply to two more schools, well, those two schools might come back to you with full rides or stipends yeah, or things that you right. can use to ask for thousands of dollars more from other schools and um, different locations and all that stuff. So it sucks up front, but you don't want to get, it's like when you go to the grocery store and you start, you know, hemming and hawing over a few cents, you got to ignore that stuff and look at the the big picture. So, yeah, so we're complaining about it, but we're also advising you to just go ahead and do <laughs> and do it. it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you need to take the LSAT four times for $190 a shot, you know, hey, uh, well, that's $800, but law school is going to cost you $180,000. So, the yeah, the 800 is nothing. Well, Drop yeah, and even if you ask for a little bit more in scholarship money, 
they don't give you eight hundred dollars more or one hundred ninety more. They give you oh okay, well you want more? Well, let's talk about five thousand more, ten thousand more. I mean that's those are the numbers you're dealing with, and so that's what you want to set yourself up for. Yeah, orders of magnitude on your mm-hmm. investment. I mean, and well, hey, again, it's like boy, a thousand dollars for an LSAT class. Yep. Ugh. You know, or three hundred ninety-five dollars for our weekend class in New York City, July thirteenth through fifteen. Um, three hundred ninety-five dollars. Oh my god! But it's like okay, but if you get three or four more LSAT points, and that might translate into thirty-nine thousand dollars of tuition discount. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's, that's that is pretty good return. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Andy. That was yeah. Thanks, Andy. Sorry for being so depressing. Should we move on? I'm sure this one will make us happy and optimistic. Sure. Hi, Nate and Ben. You can call me Laura. I'm preparing for the June LSAT, planning to apply this fall for the 2019 admissions cycle. I've listened to almost every episode of the podcast now, hopefully not in the last two weeks. (laughs) And I want to thank you for both everything you do. If not for the information here and in your free online classes, I'd be lumbering lumbering through a Kaplan book and trying to apply this fall with a June LSAT. Worse, I'd probably be paying to go to law school or to a school that accepts the June LSAT. Yeah, that's always a mistake. Um, When I found you guys in February, I dumped Kaplan and bought some PTs. Hey, just can I interrupt? Sorry. Mm. Uh, I just got a call yesterday from a woman in Davis who um, was reaching out to me because she wanted private tutoring because she was scoring, she needed to get to 150 so that she could go to McGeorge, which is in um, Sacramento, mm, mm-hmm. because McGeorge had extended their application deadline and they were going to take her June LSAT. So she's signed up for the June LSAT. She's done very little prep and she was looking to pay me $600 Ooh. to do a tutoring session tomorrow, Friday. Mm, mm, mm. And I promptly talked her out of it. <laughs> I was just like, don't. Nope. I do not like money that much. I do. Let's not do this. Let's yeah. uh, let me talk to you about here's my free online class. Please mm-hmm. check that out. Mm-hmm. Please listen to my podcast. Please prep for the LSAT at 150. You do not need private tutoring. You need group learning. You need books. You need classes. You need videos. And you need to prep for um, probably the September LSAT because, yep. by the way, you're like, you're late. You're, you're like, you're not early for the 2019 admission cycle. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're kind of on time. If you start now and grind it out for September, you could still apply early for the 2019 cycle and not get completely ripped off. But this woman was about to pay me money so that she could then squeak into McGeorge so oh. that she could pay full price. Oh my gosh. And she's like a paralegal or something, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's predatory. Uh, McGeorge, what are you doing? That's Mick just McGeorge. You got to change your name too. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I have I have uh, former students that have gone to McGeorge on a scholarship, full ride, and been mm-hmm. very successful. Um, so you know you you can win the game at McGeorge, but this it's like, sorry, this woman was you know best case was going to be her worst case. Mm-hmm. Like she, she was going to barely squeak out her 150, and she was going to get into McGeorge at the last minute, and she was going to pay full price. And then the the outcomes when you do that are just extremely poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I talked her out of it, and I talked myself out of some tutoring business. And um, 
hey, uh, <laughs> that's just what I have to do. So it sounds like Laura uh, has wisely, uh, because of our help, Ben, she has decided not to do that. Well, I'm glad you talked to her about it. That's good. Yeah, well, I had to, dude. I wouldn't be able to sleep at no, night if I was. No, that'd be awkward. Part of the fucking scam. Yeah. I mean, I already get paid plenty for what I do, right? And we both get overpaid, Ben. Mm-hmm. That's and true. <laughs> it's like we're very fortunate to be here. The least we could do is, you know, try to help the people who are going to get like totally boned by the system. Um, <laughs> we want, we want to, we want to save people $150,000. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. So, uh, this is Laura. Laura says, I f- when I found you guys in February, I dumped Kaplan and bought some prep tests. Cool. I've been sticking to the one timed section a day, one full test over the weekend schedule, but haven't moved my score much. I've strengthened my logic games quite a bit and I'm still improving steadily there, but I'm having a hard time moving my LR and RC scores at all. I'm scoring everywhere between minus two and minus 10 in both. And I don't exactly see a pattern in the kinds of mistakes I'm making or the types of questions I'm missing. I tend to review, think I understand my mistakes and how to fix them, and then come back the next day and get the same score. Uh, I don't think, I don't think you've just, well, this is when I found you guys in February. So what is this? This is May. Well, keep going. Okay. The fact that my average has only moved up about four points in two months makes me think I'm not reviewing effectively. That's the part I wanted you to read. I mean, that's yeah. actually, that's not that bad. It's yeah. not awesome, but it's not that bad. Yeah. It's progress. Mm-hmm. Right? This is students frequently in this situation, they think she she's she said, she just said literally, and I get the same score. Mm-hmm. But then she goes, I've moved up my average by four points. Yeah. Well, that ain't the same score. Mm-hmm. And those four points could be a big difference, you know? Yeah, well, depending on where you are in the bell curve, that can be several tens, tens of thousands of students that you're passing up there. So uh, usually it's like five to seven, but at the top of the bell curve, it's pretty high. Anyways, um, for each point, for each LSAT point. I've taken four full practice tests and 16 timed sections. Okay, so eight tests total, and I've only brought my diagnostic 158 up to a high of 165. Dude, that's that's huge. That's good progress. Yeah, and eight, eight tests, tests is nothing. Yeah, it's, it's nothing. not very much. Remember that person who did like all 81 or eight, at the time 81 and then had done it again? Yeah, <laughs> three times, dude. <laughs> and English was like a second language or something. Um, the one that I remember, the one I'll never forget was the one that was on her, on her third time through the tests. And this time she was writing a full explanation for every question before she checked the answer key. Oh my gosh. I don't remember that. Through. Jeez. Yeah, that was, that was just one of my students. Where was she ago, scoring? I don't even remember. It was just yeah. some correspondent, but I mean, that's when I, you know, that's one of the hundreds of data points of lawyers are fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, you're just, that's a lawyer. That is absolutely a lawyer i believe you you're a lawyer yeah i feel sorry for you but you're a lawyer (laughs) yeah god damn this who is this laura laura you're not yet a lawyer like talk to us when you've done 20 practice tests yeah yeah that's like when you get people who take three tests and they're like well the last three tests have had the same score it's kind of like yeah you're just getting started i've hit a plateau (laughs) (laughs) two data points i'm at a plateau now 
I just can't make any progress. Right. She goes, I know I still have a month before the test to keep working, but I feel like I should be making larger improvements with the time I'm investing. Am I being unrealistic? Yes. I got an especially frustrating score of 159 last night and decided to take a few days off to try to reframe how I'm thinking about the test. Mm. Way too much concern about the score itself. You got to think about the questions that you're getting wrong. And I bet I would put a lot of money on the idea that although you may be getting a similar number of questions wrong, how quickly you recognize why the correct answer is correct and um, how off you were in the test is going way down, right? Like the time it takes you to figure out what the problem is, is improving because you're understanding what's going on so much better than you were two months ago when you looked at questions and you're like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of see why that's right or wrong. Um, how much better have you gotten at the test even if your score itself hasn't changed much? Don't worry about the freaking score. The score will come when you focus on what you learn. You should think about questions that you get wrong as like a huge opportunity because when you get them wrong, you can be like, well, what did I do wrong? And then learn from that. 100%. Um, your, your true ability will not necessarily be reflected in every single practice test you take. Uh, so you're paying way too much attention to every data point and you're not paying enough attention to each of the individual mistakes. Furthermore, you're not doing enough work. Re re reading this. I mean, she's been studying since February and she's only done eight practice tests. Yeah. Like she says she's been doing the one time section a day, one full test over the weekend schedule. But if she's been doing that for March and April, she should have done eight or nine or 10 tests on the weekends. Plus <laughs> more than that during the week. Yeah. Well, I usually tend to think of it as one per week in the middle and then one on the weekend. If you're right, even two doing tests that a week. Yeah. So she should, she should already be, you know, dozen or more, deep and she's she's not close you know or 20 she should be at 20 ish right yeah and and she's not close to that really and then i'm reading now um you know i got an especially frustrating 159 last night and decided to take a few days off it sounds like she's been taking lots of few days off mm-hmm. otherwise she should have she should have accumulated many more data points than that so I appreciate that she's listening and I appreciate that she's reaching out for help, but half of it is y'all got to work harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm amazed at, I'm amazed how hard many of you work. And then I'm also amazed how many of you don't work hard at all. Yeah. And, and you're, you're just like, you think that you, you know, you've done eight practice tests, but this is also making me like, I doubt that she's really reviewing her mistakes that much. Yeah. You know, I I think she might be kind of looking at the answer key. Oh, it's D because it's D. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I I think you got to give it, you got to give it quite a bit more time, Laura. You got to accumulate quite a few more data points. And you got to review all of those mistakes and you got to grind it out for months sometimes. Yeah. But she hasn't actually been grinding it out for months. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
She goes on, I recently listened to an, the episode where Anne, Anne Levine talks about meditation in relation to the LSAT. I found that, that conversation helpful in resetting my emotional responses, but I'm wondering what I can do while I'm away from time sections to actually improve my study approach. Wait, I'm wondering what I can do while I'm away from timed sections to actually improve my study approach other than listen to the podcast. Any suggested reads, videos, or episodes of the pod? Do you think I need to schedule a private session? Most importantly, am I mistaken in thinking that because I've scored as well as minus two in all three section types at one point or another, I theoretically have the potential to make that minus two my average score on all three? I'd like to think that if I've done it once, I can train myself to do it repeatedly. I don't expect amazing things to happen before June, but I'm willing to keep studying and retaking until I make the kind of improvement I think I'm capable of. I really appreciate any advice you guys can offer. Um, I want to talk about this emotion thing here really quick. It says, I found that, conversa- I found that conversation helpful in resetting my emotional responses. Um, that's good. I think that meditation can help you with your emotional responses so you can stop getting sidetracked or doing these silly things that not necessarily you're doing, Laura, but a lot of people do. Like you said, Nathan, earlier, sometimes people score, they get a low score, right, on Saturday, they freak out, and then they immediately take a test again in an effort to get a higher score. That's purely an emotional response. It's like you want that feeling of, oh, I'm doing fine. You want that reassurance. But I heard something, I don't know, maybe it was a few months ago, and I thought it was really cool. The person was like, some things in life make us uncomfortable, um, but we, and a lot of times we try to solve that problem by getting rid of the uncomfort. Like we're like, what can we do to make that uncomfortable feeling go away? But I can't remember who this was, but they're like, if you can learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, then those emotions don't matter. So you not don't matter at all, but when you feel negative things or you feel like despondent or you don't want to study anymore, or you don't want to look into the questions as hard as you have before, it's like you just get used to feeling that way, but doing something different saying, nah, okay, I'm uncomfortable with this, but I'm going to stick to the plan of reviewing one section a day and not just giving up or being despondent or whatever. Yeah. I'm just not sure that meditation is the answer. It it seems like she's casting about here looking for, it's almost like she's looking for tips, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like looking for tricks. She's looking for shortcuts rather than actually doing the section a day that I claim to be doing. Instead, I want to talk about meditation, you know, I want to talk about, is there a specific episode of the podcast I should listen to? Yeah. That's or gonna should I, open should I pay all. you for a private tutoring session? Like, well, maybe, I mean, at a 158 diagnostic and a high of 165, I, I do think you could productively work with, with us one-on-one, but I don't know that paying us is the answer if you're not going to put in the work in between study sessions. So Ben, if you're saying, get comfortable with the discomfort, you know, an easy way to do that is to just actually do your section a day. Yep. And, and that's going to suck. I mean, it's going to require discipline, but that's the life of a lawyer. 
If you can't find an hour a day right now to do a section and review it, do you have any fucking idea what lawyers do every day? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. As far as the rest of this, um, it's great that she's scored as well as minus three in each of the different types. And I agree that you theoretically have the potential to make minus two your average score on all three. Um, but it's not going to happen overnight and it's not going to be like some magic trick. Like you're going to read a tip and then you're going to, you know, or you're going to, I don't think meditation is going to be, is going to be the thing that gets you there. Yeah. She talks about training. I'd like to think that if I've done it once, I can train myself to do it repeatedly. Okay. Well, you know, training is like a kind of everyday type of thing Mm -hmm. normally. Yeah, I agree. So she concludes, thanks for helping obsessive future law students like me stay somewhat sane. Yeah, get on the, you got to get back on the horse, Laura. I mean, hopefully it was, this was a few weeks ago that she sent this uh, email. So hopefully she's been studying hard in between uh, the time she sent this. And now when she hears this, when she hears this, it's going to be right before the June LSAT. Um, but it sounds like she might be needing to look at the July and September dates. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta really double down on the, uh, you gotta, you gotta get committed to actually doing it Mm -hmm. uh, on a basically everyday basis. What do you say? One day a week off? Yeah. That's my usual rule of thumb. Yeah. All we're, all we're asking for really is like an hour a day. So, you know, or five of those plus one full test on a weekend day mm-hmm. plus take one day off entirely. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a grand total of less than 10 hours a week. Yep. And if, if you would have been doing that, I think you would have accumulated far more data points than you've shared with us here. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's not the advice that people are looking for. <laughs> Why am I not improving? Well, you're not working hard enough. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ooh, this is kind of exciting. Yeah. Oh, but this is the one with the spaces. (laughs) I don't know if we can read it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you emailed that guy that way. What did I say? Should we do this? I don't remember what I said. You told him that if he removed the double spaces, you would read it on the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he has responded to that email. <laughs> I was joking. All right, let's give it to him. Did it not come across as a joke? Uh, you know, s- sarcasm is tough to read. Maybe I should have <laughs> put a smiley in there. <laughs> yeah. Wink. Wink. Um, okay, subject. Cooley has a scholarship matrix. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, second-time emailer. I contacted Nathan before the September 2016 test to pass along some baseball trivia about the University of Pittsburgh's testing center. Ask pretty much the same question as Tanae from episode 141 about working for a prep company versus starting my own tutoring business and to guarantee victory on the upcoming test. Nathan gave me the quote, any idiot can start a business line. So I did. And this idiot's doing okay so far. Alas, I only got a 178 on that test. So Nathan still has a higher LSAT score and a higher GPA than me. 
Oh, higher GPA. Wow, that's <laughs> I know. that's not good. <laughs> I know, I know. Still, one seventy eight will go a long way. Yeah. Um. Anywho, out here in the Rust Belt, we have our own terrible law schools, our own set of terrible law schools. Chief among them is Cooley, formerly the Western Michigan University Cooley Law School. This school has four campuses and over twelve hundred students, but is unranked by the U.S. News and World Report. Holy smokes, dude! That is a money pit. Yeah, that's crazy. That's okay. They make up their own rankings, which factor in things like the square footage and number of chairs in the law library. Since Cooley has four campuses and four libraries and presumably many chairs, they are right up there at the top with Harvard and Georgetown. Here's an article by, do we say Ellie Ely? I don't know. Ellie Mistal? Mm-hmm. Ely Mistal? I mm-hmm. wish I knew how to pronounce that. Also, I wish he would come on the show because he, he's cool on Twitter and he writes good articles for Above the Law. Hmm. Anyway, here's an article by this dude of Above the Law about these dubious rankings. Years ago, Cooley used to churn out graduates who would go on to become practicing lawyers in the Detroit area and state-level politicians. Nowadays, their mo- most famous alumni are the coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning and Donald Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen. Cooley admits students and offers scholarships based on a matrix. They use something they call predicted Cooley GPA for a lot of it, and I can't figure out exactly how they calculate that, but they have several levels based strictly on LSAT score. 160 plus gets you a full ride, 155 to 159 is worth 90%, and 149 to 154 will earn you a 75% scholarship regardless of undergraduate GPA. That's awful. Those folks are like, they have terrible grades and they have a 149 to a 154. Mm. Uh, They are not going to be very, not very many of them are going to be successful lawyers. And they, they're they're getting a 75% discount, but that means they're paying 25% of whatever Cooley's crazy tuition is. And so they, those people could just be getting ripped off to the tune of $10,000 a year. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you have 1,200 easy. students, you just need to collect the money, right? <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, we got, well, we got chairs. Did you notice the chairs? It puts us up our ranking and allows us to have you come. Wow. Uh, for comparison, Cooley's 75th percentile LSAT is a 146. That's their 75th percentile. Holy shit. Here's the link to their scholarship information page, and here's the link to their 509. I wouldn't recommend that anybody attend Cooley, even for free, and I would suggest that anybody who is considering taking a 75% scholarship with their 149 would probably be better served by sitting out for a year and considering whether law is really the path for them. Um, you know, I agree with that to a certain extent, although if you can go to Cooley for $0 tuition... All you're really wasting is your time, right? Mm-hmm. How much is your time worth? I don't know. Not that much if you're just working some shitty job that you hate. Yeah. And it could work out for you. It could work out for you. I don't know. And if you paid zero, literally zero tuition, I don't know that that's that much of a ripoff. Mm-hmm. It's certainly better than paying to go to law school at some slightly higher ranked place. You know, like, oh, no, I'll go to this other garbage law school that's ranked 100th on the U.S. News and World Report, and I'll pay them $40,000 a year. Oh, yeah. No, you'd be much better off going to Cooley and paying zero, even if you don't end up being a lawyer. At least you went to law school, studied the law. By the way, I'm pretty sure the classes are going to be exactly the same as any other law school. 
Well, yeah, and the thing is, you can just know that the onus is all on you. I mean, you should know that anyways, but just know that you're going yeah. to Cooley to get the degree. You plan on figuring out how to pass the bar. You go pass the bar, and you just use the school for the degree, and then you can make your career what you want to make of it. Yeah, which, by the way, is 100% what you have to do at basically every law school anyway. That's what you have to do anywhere, but you just have to know. You just can't go in there with this faith that somehow the the institution will carry yeah. you along, right? Or somehow do yeah. that. Although yeah. probably Trump is looking for new lawyers, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, why there's been such an increase in <laughs> law school applications. 1,200 future <laughs> Donald Trump lawyers like Cooley. Um Okay, you've surely noticed that I've used two spaces after a period throughout this email. I do this mostly because I learned to type on a typewriter back in the dark ages, and my typing instructor and dozens of English teachers insisted on the double space. Uh, Me too. You too, right, Ben? I didn't learn on a typewriter, though. You didn't? No. How old are you? Dude, what? I'm 40. Oh. How old are you? In high school... 42. And I, in high school, we had, they were electric, electric, but we had typewriters. See, I grew up in Cupertino and then Palo Alto. So we all had Macs and they were green screens, but they still worked. Did you have an instructor who yelled at you like A, 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 space, S, 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 space? No, actually the instructor was a computer program. So I just went into the lab and I remember still to this day, I had a yellow Walkman, Sony Walkman, and I had my, uh, I had my you know, tape in there, and I would listen to Rush. So I was listening nice. to Rush while I was um, typing away. So now, I don't know why I have such a vivid memory of that room. <laughs> but yeah, that's all I do. I just go in there with my little, the, the, you know, those cheap like headphones that it's like a metal wire with like plastic, but then you have this like soft little padding that they still have on airplanes. Anyways, that's what I did. That's how I learned how to type. Yeah, I had fifth period after lunch my freshman year of high school. An entire fir- an entire full year of typing in high school, and it was by far one of the most useful educational experiences of my life. I agree, uh, Ms. yeah. Ms. Dryden, and I will always be thankful that I took that typing class and uh, learned how to type because you know, I spent my whole life since then. There's ain't no way in hell I write six LSAT books if I didn't know how to type. That mm-hmm. would not have happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was a very practical, very useful skill I learned. But I did learn um, on a typewriter, and I also did learn to write uh, to put two spaces in between sentences. Um, we proceed. The habit is now ingrained, and this dog is now just a little too old to learn new tricks. Um, okay. Furthermore, most linguists advocate a descriptive rather than prescriptive approach to grammar. In other words, if a significant number of people still use two spaces, we're not wrong. And here's a link to a recent Atlantic article about a study which showed an increase in reading efficiency when people are given a passage with two spaces instead of one. Not going to read that. Thanks for everything, guys. Love the pod. All permissions granted. Do whatever you like with this email. Bob. So wait, Bob says if a significant number of people still use two spaces, first of all, I don't know if a significant number of people do, but even if a significant number of people do, my only thought was it has to be a significant number of significant people. (laughs) I mean, a significant number of people are racist, right? (laughs) And I can't wait until all y'all fucking die. So 
the, I don't know, Bob, I would encourage you to get into the modern ages and just start using one space. It's very easy to make the transition. It took me like a week to make the transition when I finally made it. The reason why you don't use two spaces is because online in HTML, it, it, it fucks things up. (laughs) You end up having a space at the beginning of a line. When you use two spaces between your sentences, you end up with an extra space at the beginning of a line. And Wait, it looks not, like shit. That's not the reason that we do. Yes, it is. That, yes, it because is. Because of HTML? <laughs> yes. Yes. When we moved no, online. No, publishers. All books published today have one space. It just The reason why that happened is because of online. Dude, get out. I don't believe you. I am not fucking with you, dude. Think about how much you look at email every single day and you yeah. write for the web every yeah. single day. And it, that shit doesn't work when you're writing for email and when you're writing for the web. That shit does not work. And that's why that transition happened. I don't think that's true. All right. Well, let's hear your hypothesis. Well, I don't your know hypothesis what it is. is because books do it. Well, why do they do it? Yeah. Yeah. They were doing it before HTML was a big deal. No, they weren't. Yeah. Okay. Mm. I, I, I'm too lazy to even Google it right now. But if anyone knows. Therefore, my hypothesis stands. <laughs> yes. Again, another one. All my hypotheses stand until somebody gives me some fucking evidence. Yes. And, and not an Atlantic article about. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm sure there's an increase in reading efficiency when people are given a passage with two spaces instead of one. I'm yeah. sure that's the case, Yeah, but I don't care. That's just not what we do these days. So I'm a, I'm a, you know, I am 42, but I'm a modern, uh, modern gentleman. Yeah. I wonder how old Bob is. I don't know. He learned on typewriter. He's got to be at least as old as you, I guess. Or maybe as old as me, but I don't know. Or he could be from a shittier town than I was, although it's pretty tough. (laughs) That's pretty tough to be from a shittier town than Ripon, California. Shout out to Ripon, California, if anybody's uh, ever blasting through there on Highway 99 on your miserable way to Fresno. Um, No, actually, you would go through Ripon if you're on your way from San Francisco to Yosemite. That's when most uh, modern folks blast straight past Ripon at 75 miles an hour without stopping. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> at least we got some chuckles out of that one. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to hear an update from Bob when he decides to get into the modern era and start using one space. That would be interesting. My guess is that Bob will never write us. <laughs> Bob hates us. <laughs> he didn't respond to my other emails. So. He didn't get your sarcasm. no, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think? Is that have we delivered more than enough value for today? Yeah. Well, it's free. So I think <laughs> they got their money's worth. They got their money's worth. Yeah. Okay. I do have to go. So yeah. Take your calendars right now and block off uh, July. What are the dates again? 13, 14, and 15. Well, the, the class okay. is on 14 and 15. Yep. Instruction on Saturday, the 14th, and Sunday, the 15th of July with an optional social hour on, uh, or maybe more than hour on, uh, Friday, the, uh, wait, Friday, the 13th, Friday, the 13th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Friday, the 13th of July. I'm going to look forward to meeting many of you in New York city and buying you a beer. And, uh, then we'll have an LSAT class on Saturday and Sunday, the 14th and 15th of July. You can go to thinkinglsat.com if you would like to register for that. That was show number 142. Thanks all y'all for listening. It's been nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.